Satan, and probably yourself. Satan has been making accusations against you for so long, and sometimes we have the capacity to start believing what he says, and he continues to say about us, but don't listen to the father of lies this morning. Listen to Jesus, who always speaks the truth. And so what truth is that? Listen carefully. Consider what he said to the woman who was once caught in the act of adultery and presented to Jesus for judgment after all of her accusers had left because it became clear that they were not able to cast the first stone of judgment. Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? To which she replied, no one, Lord. To which Jesus replied, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. So please don't self-project your feelings of guilt or condemnation on the countenance of the one who bled and died and rose again to free you from such things. Amen? Amen. So we know that what we're talking about today is a highly sensitive matter. We know that everyone here at Faith Community Church, we seek to be a safe place for those who have been impacted by abortion. So if you find yourself in an unplanned pregnancy, please know that being pregnant is not a sin. The child that you carry is not a punishment. Your child is a blessing. God is right now in this moment busy knitting this child together in your womb. You may have made a sinful decision that led to a pregnancy. You may have even been sinned against, but we want you to know that you are loved, that we will do whatever it takes to help you carry and care for this precious child before and after birth. We at FCC could never support or encourage a woman to have an abortion because the child that you carry is made in the image of God and is intrinsically valuable and loved by God. And we recognize that this might be a very scary time for you and you might be concerned about what happens to you in the months go by and as time marches on. So you need to know what the people of God who gather here at Faith Community Church will respond. How will we respond to what's going on in your life? And this is what this church will not do. This church family will not gossip about you. We won't shame you. We will not abandon you. This is a safe place, and we will not allow the family of God to harm one another with words or actions contrary to the love of God as revealed in his word. But this is what the church will do for you. We will do everything in our power to remove whatever obstacle stands in the way of you having your child. There's people in this church that are able to mentor you, to throw you a baby shower, to connect with you, and connect you with resources inside and outside of our church, even like a local pregnancy center. We also will hold men accountable for living out their calling to provide and protect women and children. And finally, if you've had an abortion in your past, we want you to know about abortion, about that it's not the unforgivable sin. Whoever confesses and forsakes their sin will find mercy. And if you've never gone through any type of uh, abortion recovery Bible study, we'll be happy to connect you to one so that you can walk in complete healing and freedom that the gospel of Jesus Christ offers to those who truly believe. Amen? Amen. So we all need this type of grace. And in the words of the great hymn of our faith, it was, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and it was grace that my fears relieved." How precious did that grace appear the hour that I first believed. We all need this grace, and all of us have access to such grace in the precious, glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And so today, with our message time that we get to later on, we're going to address three questions. What is love life? Why are we partnering with them? And what opportunities do we have this week? So let's pray. God, I pray that as we gather together and we address a subject matter that is quite highly sensitive, we want to talk in a tactful and a truth-filled way today, and that your grace would abound, and that we would recognize that there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, and may we not listen to the father of lies today, but listen to the one who always speaks the truth, who says, neither do I condemn you. Go from now on and sin no more. And we praise you, and we praise the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. At this point, let's go ahead and stand up. Announcement time is over. Want you trust in you. Lord, that you have everything in your hands. We have no reason to worry, Lord. But we cast all of our burdens upon you. Lord, if we feel guilt and shame for sins that we've committed in the past, Lord, would you help us to recognize that, that you've forgiven us, Lord, that you've freed us from guilt and that you also free us from shame as well. So I pray that you would just give us comfort as we talk about these things, Lord. Help us to think about them in a way that's gracious, according to your word and, and what you've done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So, what is love life? The mission of love life is to unite and mobilize the church to create a culture of love and life that will result in an end to abortion and the orphan crisis. And so this organization is praying that there will be a culture shift that results in men and women running to the local church for help with their pregnancy rather than to a local abortion clinic. And so Love Life has been in existence for seven years, but just in those seven short years, they have led many families to choose life, resulting in over 5,000 plus babies saved. Um, there have been, and these numbers are a little bit dated, I know they're being updated week by week, but according to these numbers, 157,000 people have engaged in prayer walks since the inception of the, the organization um, over 920 churches have partnered with them. Over 50-plus abortion workers felt compelled to leave the industry as a direct result of prayer and contact with the organization Love Life. Um, 3,800 people have connected beyond the prayer walks and served in intensive sidewalk training, outreach, and orphan care and mentoring programs. And in addition, there's been over 550 salvations and 211 churches have become houses of refuge, and we are now one of those churches, a house of refuge. There you go. Some of the local stats in Washington State, um, abortions are allowed uh, up to 24 weeks, but late-term abortions are allowed if the mother's life or health, which could mean any physical or mental health, is endangered. So Washington State performs about 47 abortions per day and over 17,000 per year. In Whatcom County alone, there are approximately 30 abortions per week. That means 362 per year, and that number actually has been declining since 2009. There also, Love Life is in the process of developing sidewalk outreach teams to offer life-giving resources, hope, and help to mothers who feel that they are in a hopeless situation and Love Life even funnels women to get a free ultrasound at the Whatcom County Pregnancy Clinic so that they can see their baby. So this is just in a very quick nutshell what Love Life is. 
And now we want to ask ourselves, why are we doing this? Why are we partnering with this organization to join them in what they've been doing for the last seven years? What is in store for us this week? Why are we doing this in the first place? And scripture clearly teaches in Exodus chapter 20 verse 13, you shall not murder And yet we legislate murder and allow, even encourage murder on a massive scale. And not only that, we actually financially support this through our taxes, what God has outlawed in his scripture. And so some say, well, that's based on your opinion. And you're entitled to your opinion. And we can all decide for ourselves what is good or bad. But God's opinion actually thunders through the mouthpiece of Isaiah, his prophet. He thunders his opinion through his prophet Isaiah, and he says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Those, and woe to those who eyes, or in whose, who is wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. This redefinition of what is right and wrong. God says, that's objectionable to me. That can't happen. So we must exchange our opinions for what God Almighty has determined to be the fact. And so once again, listen carefully. I know that today we are zeroing in on one issue. But Paul reminds us that no matter who we are, that we are all under sin. And then he quotes at least ten different references in the Old Testament to explain how depraved we all have become in in Romans chapter 3. And so I'm going to spare us from being bludgeoned corporately. But you can read Romans 10 verses, or Romans 3 verses 10 through 18 on your own later. It's a really good reality check, and it will cause you to ugly cry. But basically, he says that we've all become worthless, and our mouths stink, and that we are miserable. So that's all of us. It's not just a one-issue thing. It's all of us are in this same boat, even though we're only addressing one sin issue today. We all need to be saved by grace through faith. And it's not what we do or don't do that makes us right with God. It's by grace that we've been saved. And now, knowing the great mercy and kindness of our God, we attempt to persuade others. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, holding God in reverence and his opinion, controlling us, we now try to persuade others. So this is God's word. It's not silent on the matter. So may we believe God's word in all that it teaches and obey in all that it requires and trust it in all that it promises. So may the Lord add his blessing to those who read and hear this word. Let's pray. God, we're going to look at one Bible verse today. And in that Bible verse, we're going to notice what you have uh, clearly communicated to us. And God, I pray that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see wonderful truth here. And then may we believe all that this word teaches. May we obey all that it requires. And may we trust in all that it promises. And may you add your blessing to those who read and hear and do this word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what we want to do today is ask this question. What does this book say about the little resident in a mother's womb? And to answer that question... I want to look at one little image-bearing creature inhabiting Hilkiah's wife's womb, and his name is Jeremiah. So open up your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 1. We're only going to look at one verse today, but what we see there is going to 
cause us to like have our mouths drop when we see the purpose and intentionality behind this baby in a womb. And we're going to use some other scriptures as well, but our text is really Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. That's all we're going to cover today. So what does this word say about this little resident in the womb? And we've actually looked at Jeremiah before, but let's look at him again and notice how sacred and holy, precious and wondrous he is as a living, image-bearing being. Just one verse today, and this is what it says. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. May the Lord add his blessing to those who read, hear, and obey this word. What we see here in this verse is that Jeremiah had personhood and purpose and being in his mother's womb. He was known by God and he was fashioned by him. Look at what the text clearly says. Bear your face there, right? I formed you, I knew you, I consecrated you, I appointed you. You, 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 you. Four times one verse, Jeremiah's personhood is undeniably legit even while inside of his mother's womb. So the first thing we see here is that God formed him. God forms all of us. Look what it says, before I formed you in the womb. So there was a time before the formation began, and then he was actually forming. This conjures up images of another psalm where we get a better depiction of what it means to be formed by God in a womb. The forming process is described in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 14. Where it says this, for you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb, and I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. These are wonderful words used to describe the forming process that God engages in as he's making these babies in wombs. The psalmist likens God to a talented tailor. God was knitting David together. Think about knitting. It is a very intensely meticulous process of using needles and interlocking knots and series of loops made by one long continuous thread. It takes skill, it takes time, it takes forethought, creativity, and design and dedication. I, we had this wonderful lady in our church back in Chicago. Her name was Lynn Metcher. Every newborn in the congregation would get a knitted hat. It was just this beautiful depiction of just love and care and dedication. Welcome to the family. There was a connection and there was a care and a tangible, tactile gift. And sometimes probably blood was spilled and time was spent making these little things. And that's what Jeremiah says here. God actively worked on Jeremiah for 40 continuous weeks on each one of his special image-bearing creatures in his, in, his, in, his, in his personhood. They're intricately woven in the secret while hidden from the frame of their mother. God formed each one of us. God's part in growing the human baby in their mother's womb is likened to the very intensely meticulous process of using needles and interlocking knots and series of loops in order to make a masterpiece, a gift for the world. That baby is a masterpiece even before they're put out on the showroom floor of the world because God was forming those babies. 
God forms us in the womb. And not only that, Jeremiah says this, God knows us. Look at what he says. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God also knew us, and he knew Jeremiah, and every baby that's in the womb. Now, the Hebrew word for know is one of those most intimate words that there is in all of Scripture. It's the Hebrew word yada. Its root form is used 944 times in the text of Scripture, and it has an array of meanings associated with knowledge. So God had a special, unique knowledge of Moses. We just kind of sang about seeing God face to face one day. The text tells us that God yadad Moses because he spoke to him face to face. He knew about Moses, and Moses knew about him because of yadad, knowledge. And we read in Psalm 139 verse 1 that God yadad the psalmist. He knew the psalmist. He was acquainted with all of his ways to the degree that he knew every moment, the moment where he sat down, where he laid down, when he rose up again. God knew all of it. And this was the word that was used for the most intimate form of knowledge experienced between a husband and wife. In Genesis 4.1, it says that Adam knew his wife Eve. This isn't just some editorial comment of Moses. Oh, by the way, reader of Genesis, Adam was aware of Eve's existence. No. Because the next thing that you find out in the text is that Eve conceived and bore Cain. She conceived Cain because she had Yadad, Adam. All right? They knew each other. In a private and detailed and personal way, they knew each other. And that's the word that God chooses to record for us as he relates himself to Jeremiah, I knew you. Before you were even born, I knew you. Jeremiah's personhood was established before he came out. And this is the word that God chooses to relate himself to Jeremiah. He says, I knew you. And for all of us in this room, we could take great comfort in such knowledge, even if it's too wonderful for us and too lofty for us to attain. And think about this, I love this. The same concept is carried over into the New Testament. As Jesus shows up on the scene and he says things like this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. He knows each and every single one of us. He knows each and every single one of us right now in this very moment. And he knew you before you were even born, he knew you. Because God forms us and God knows us. And then the next thing we see in Jeremiah 1.5 is that God actually consecrates us. Look what it says. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. God also consecrates each one of his image-bearing creatures. Well, what does that mean? That he sets them apart for a specific, unique purpose. They're not just going to show up on the planet and just exist. No, there's a reason why they're here. They're set apart in a very unique way. Every human life is a gift, and not just a gift to the mother and the father. That human life is a gift from God to all the inhabitants of the world. They need to be here. They need to show up on the planet because they're consecrated by God. The almighty creator is the one who opens and closes the womb of women in Scripture. We read about this. Just read about all the barren women in the Bible. Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, 
Manoah, Hannah, Elizabeth, each of these women had no children. All they had was a barren womb and a promise from God, and then God opened their wombs and out comes a little consecrated creation of his for the betterment of the world. Each of these children were set apart to accomplish a specific purpose. And think on this. There is no more barren of a womb in the world than the womb of a virgin. And praise God, he opened the womb of a virgin 2,000 years ago to give birth to Jesus Christ, who was purposed to save mankind. So God sets aside and consecrates each little baby. They set them apart for a unique, specific purpose that God himself chooses. And that leads us to our last point of the day. God forms us, he knows us, he consecrates us, and he then appoints us. Look what it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you. There's an appointment that I have for you, Jeremiah, and all of us here, there's an appointment, you, Jeremiah, to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah was appointed That word here means to give or to bestow, to employ or to entrust with something. What is clear here is that there is a reason for Jeremiah's existence. He's to be a prophet. He's to speak on behalf of God to the nation. And what do we know? They didn't really listen, did they? Jeremiah just so happened to be set apart to be a prophet to the nations, and Jeremiah was going to function as a mouthpiece to the Lord, of the Lord, to the people who seemingly wanted nothing to do with God and nothing to do with what God wanted. They wanted to maintain their own definitions of right and wrong. That sounds like a fun call, right? Go speak to those people that are obstinate towards me. Jeremiah had a very, very hard call. His message was hard to hear and it was very easy to persecute. And he went through persecution. You could say that he was miserable all of his life because he had been consecrated and appointed. But nevertheless, he was serving the purposes of the one who had knitted him together in utero. And so sometimes we're tempted to believe this. Listen. We believe a lie that says having a baby will bring about many unnecessary hardships in a woman or a man's life, and so they think that murder is an acceptable solution. Now, it is true that when a baby is born, troubles, hardships will certainly enter into the mother and the father's lives. There's responsibility. There's toilsome days ahead, but not just for them, but for their child as well. But that does not mean eliminate the child. Just because life will be hard does not mean that we can kill the baby. So let's consider Jeremiah's take on this for a second. Because Jeremiah wrestled with this as a little consecrated, appointed image bearer of God. He wrestled with this. Let's consider Jeremiah's take on his own life. And he said something critically important. His life is full of hardships. But look at what he says, chapter 20, verses 14. Cursed be the day on which I was born. So here's this little consecrated, appointed prophet who says, Cursed be the day that I was born. The day when my mother bore me. Let it not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought the news to my father. A son is born to you, making him very glad. 
Let that man be like the cities that the Lord overthrew without pity. Let him hear a cry in the morning and an alarm at noon. Because he did not kill me in the womb. So my mother would have been my grave and her womb forever great. Why did I come out of the womb to see toil and sorrow and spend my days in shame? Look at this. Jeremiah's wrestling with the hard call of his life. But look closely at what he says. He says, he did not kill me in the womb. It is safe to assume that to kill Jeremiah in the womb means that he was alive in the womb. Look at what he says. He did not kill me in the womb. There wasn't just a lump of tissue in Jeremiah's mother's womb. It was Jeremiah. Jeremiah says, why did I come out of the womb? He didn't say, why did this lump of slouts climb out of a womb? No, he says it was me. That tells me that he was a person before he arrived at his birth date and his birthplace. So yes, he had a hard life. He even questioned his existence. He was formed, known, consecrated, and appointed creation of God before he came out of the womb. So know this, a baby is a lady's honor. It's not her headache. Many of you are familiar with this. I remember hearing a story of an unwed teenage girl who was pregnant, but her fiancé was not the baby's father, and he could have exercised his right to abort what some would simply call a fetus, but if he did, he would have slaughtered the Lord Jesus Christ prematurely. That baby in Mary's womb was formed, known, consecrated, and appointed to be the prophet that would speak God's truth to us, the priest that would represent us, the king who would reign over us. But in order for him to do that, he had to arrive at his birthplace. And once he emerged from the womb, he had a trial-filled life all of his days, and yet a perfect life. And he did so on our behalf and then also he, decide, he, he died a horrific death and he was placed in a tomb. And that tells me that his life was lived from womb to tomb. And he accomplished all that his father had sent him out of the womb to do. And that's our desire as well. We want to do what God has called us to do. The blood-brought children of God are to be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So the scriptures are clear about this. We have to talk about these things and stand for these things. And so here's the very practical point of the message. What opportunities do we have this week to do this? to do what we're called to do as God's people, to proclaim his excellencies. And so at this point, I'm going to ask us to pull out our phones if you have them with you because we want to move into some very practical applications. And we're going to talk about Adoption Week, this idea of what does it mean to hear, pray, go, and connect. And we're going to talk about praying and fasting. We're going to talk about going. We're going to talk about connecting. And we're going to move into this time of response now for the next 10 minutes or so. So pull out your phone because there's a way for you to interact with your bulletin or with the screen as far as QR codes is concerned. We also have paper copies of things that you can sign up for. 
But what opportunities do we have this week? This is adoption week for us, okay? So today, the the first part of adoption week is this idea of hearing. Today's message was based off of what God's word has to say about these issues. And hopefully you hear God's heart on this. And I'm praying that a conviction would be settled in your soul and that you would decide to involve yourself in one way or the other with our Adoption Week opportunities that we have before. So we're gathered here today to hear and now we have heard what God's word clearly says. And the first thing that we get to do is we get to pray and fast. We get to all do this and engage. Fasting is the quickest way for us to physically feel what we spiritually need. We need God to intervene, and he asks his people to pray and to fast, and so that's what we want to do this week. So there's a few opportunities that we have before us this week that we're absolutely pumped about. And there's a QR code on the screen if you want to snap that picture, and it'll go to a link, and you can sign up for different things. On October 4th, which is Wednesday, we are going to attempt to cover 24 consecutive hours in prayer. If you look at your bulletin and scan the QR code there, or if you scan the screen up there, you can grab a time slot. It also went out in our spirit of faith this last week. Some of you have already signed up, which we're excited about. But we're going to have prayer slots for 30-minute segments, and we want to cover 24 hours in prayer. So you can sign up for those and, and get prompts about how to pray. And when you sign up for the prayer walk, which is a different thing we're going to sign up for now here in a few moments... You're actually going to get an email of specific prayer points, and there's also a 16-minute video that will help you guide through your prayer time, because sometimes it's hard to pray for 30 minutes, so there's a 16-minute video that will be given to you to help prompt you with music and prayer cues and stuff like that. We've done the work of collecting specific prayer points from Whatcom County Pregnancy Center, and then uh, Christian Hope Association with Shannon Zabrowski. And said, I said, how can we pray for you specifically? Not generically, but specifically. And then those went out in the bulletin and in the spirit of faith as well. So sign up for one of these 30-minute prayer segments. And we just dedicated the chapel like two or three weeks ago. What a great opportunity to come and pray in the Wayside Chapel. You know? And if you need connections to get in there, uh, speak with Erica Berdan, our office administrator, and she can get you in. But go ahead and do that like now, like sign up now. Don't move on and say, well, think about it. Do it now, right? And also on Wednesday, we're going to be supplying some of our ministries, like men's ministries, women's Bible studies, and student ministries with these prayer requests and ask them to include them in their normal prayer times. I know that it'd be fun to have a full corporate worship gathering and pray, but we have so many segment ministries meeting on Wednesdays. We're like, let's just empower them to pray And so that information will be going out. But you can pray and fast. Once again, fasting is one of the quickest ways for us to physically feel what we spiritually need. And so abstaining from something, whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner, or breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or maybe screens, or whatever it is, to to remind yourself when you get into the normal habit of the routine of life and something is missing, you say, I need God in this moment. And you spend time praying. So we want to fill up those 24 hours, like really, And maybe my day, if no one signs up, I'll just be praying for 24 hours, right? But I got other things to do this week, too, so we need the body. So that's 48 time slots that we need to cover, so do that now. 
and do it fast, otherwise your time slot, the premium time slots, you're going to be praying with me at 3 a.m. in the morning, right? So fill those up, all right? And then we want to go. We want to go. We want to see firsthand and participate firsthand. And so Saturday morning, October the 7th, we will be heading down to Bellingham to participate in a prayer walk. There's going to be a brief orientation time and an explanation of the ministry, a short musical worship segment before we go out and participate in a peaceful prayer walk outside of Planned Parenthood. Now listen carefully. I know that this scares some of us. I've done this, I've, I've done this prayer walk before. It is so, so family friendly. It is just there to be a presence and to pray There is a code of conduct that when you sign up for this prayer walk that you must agree to uphold if you go. So this is completely family friendly. I'm hoping tons of kids are there for this. You must sign off on the code of conduct. Our purpose is to pray and to be a presence, not to engage in any conversations or to hold up signs. We're there, not there to protest in any way. That's not what love life is about. There are other organizations that do that in the body of Christ. We're going to hear about one of them in a moment, and it's great. We all need to be pulling in the same direction, but that's not what love life seeks to do. They seek to be a prayerful presence, not to engage in conversations. We're not there to protest in any way. We're just there to pray. So once again, it's a family-friendly environment, and I hope that we get a bunch of kids and students and adults there as well. So now there's going to be a QR code on the screen, and you can snap that. There's also a link in the spirit of faith, or there's actually a paper copy in the back. But the thing with the paper copy is you fill out all the information, then we have to fill it all and register it online anyway. So take out the middleman and uh, do that. But if you don't have the capacity to do that, we totally get it. Fill out the paper copy. A couple important things. When you register... The region is Whatcom County. The organization is with Faith Community Church, and we are adoption week number 35. There's 40 weeks in the year, and we're week number 35. So this isn't just something that FCC is doing. This is like nationwide, and when you get the email, you'll start to be able to follow what is happening all across the country because you just don't hear the good stories. You just don't hear the good stories and how God is working. This is week 35 of 40, and we get to be a part of this. So scan the QR code on the screen and sign up or click on the Spirit of Faith link with that specific information. Then you'll get more information about what it looks like. We're going to meet downtown uh, in Bellingham at the Whatcom County Pregnancy Clinic, which is the newly established clinic right downtown that so many have been praying for. We're going to be one of the first groups to utilize it. It sits at 1605 Cornwall Avenue. And then for a donation of any amount, you can get one of these cool T-shirts. And I spoke with one of the, uh, the community leaders that said, we love it when the blue shirts show up. We love it when the blue shirts show up. So for any a donation of any amount, you can get one of these t-shirts when you're down there at the prayer walk, but you need to sign up first, okay? And then finally, this last piece, we, we talked about hearing and going, or hearing, praying, and fasting, and going, and then connecting. The connecting portion will be after our prayer walk is over. Some of you might feel compelled to be more involved in our community going forward on an ongoing basis. And there will be opportunities for you to learn more about training to be part of a sidewalk outreach team or orphan care or engage with people in a mentoring program. They will also, you know, just come alongside you and help mentor you to learn how to care and compassionately care for people. So that's love life. That's the opportunity that we have this week. 
And then along with that, there's two other opportunities that are outside of love life that I just want to mention briefly today. There's also two other opportunities that you can involve yourself in. Once again, they're not with love life, but they do help bring awareness to the causes of life in our county. And the first one is Life Chain. It was presented last week about Life Chain and their ministry. And today, there's going to be a bus at 115 meeting in our parking lot going down there to support Life Chain. I know that some of our students are going and any of us are invited to go. And if the bus fills up, they just have to drive down there. But Life Chain, if you want to go to be a part of that, it's at 115 today. And then another one is Whatcom County Pregnancy Clinic is going to have their annual fundraising banquet. This is amazing. This whole organization is privately funded. And they have to raise all this money for their year budget. And I've been a part of this before. And October 27th is the date. And you need to RSVP by October 16th if you want to attend. And Christine Reinhardt is one of our members here. And she would love to get you signed up for that. So um, if you want to connect with her, that would be wonderful. And we do all of this and we're completely dependent upon God to cause the fruit to come about. And so we pray Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 when he says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And all of God's people said, Amen. At this point we want to move into a time of response. We got one final song.